He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. Good Monday morning, everyone. Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, and Sam Humphreys with you here on a Monday. It is another Tony Finau runner-up Monday. We've had a lot of Tony Finau runner-up Mondays lately. In fact, the last three times he's teed it up, I believe, he has finished runner-up. He loses in a playoff to Max Homa. Max Homa, hometown kid. The emotion was obvious on his face after the tournament. It was a phenomenal back nine. And once again, year after year, we see Riviera hold up as one of the absolute best courses on the PGA Tour. It was a perfect test all week, and it was a great finish uh, yesterday between Homa and Finau and even Sam Burns uh, on the back who had the lead, lost it, and then tried to make some noise late. It ended up being a great Sunday. Yeah, you, you we're watching the whole tournament, and you look throughout Thursday, Friday, Saturday, most of Sunday, who's the top of the leaderboard? Sam Burns the whole time. And it's it, we had people thinking, okay, is he going to hold on? And it looked like there was times where he's falling apart, especially on Saturday. Hit some amazing recovery shots to get it back. And then, but but you could had to keep asking yourself, boys, was he? Was he going to be able to keep that going for 72 holes at a tough course like Riviera? Of, I mean, I think of the top, how many ever in the um, that finished on the leaderboard, he was one of the very few that actually lost strokes off the tee, which is something that we know is almost impossible to do at Riviera and win. So, I mean, it, for him, it's it's also a good learning experience, like it will be for a lot of people to. I mean, I mean, we we know it, guys. I mean, if you, it's having a one shot lead is a lot different than having a four and five shot lead, like he had for a lot of time, where. And at the, when you get to that point, it's hard to focus in the moment because you're you subconsciously you're just thinking, "Don't blow this," because at the end of the day, you only need to win by one. But a lot of people don't have what Tiger had. If you can just go out and beat someone by ten or fifteen, like it's nothing. And I think that one thing goes shows that Tiger will obviously talk about a lot of him later on because he was the host of the tournament and gave out the trophy to Max Homa and also had a very interesting interview with Jim Nance, which we'll get into also. But but yeah, I thought. You know, besides besides obviously Homa's missed three footer on on eighteen, I think, and Fina obviously storyline. We I want to get into some of the his shots he hit down the stretch, which for as good a player as he is, were very unacceptable. I, I think Sam Burns was was a storyline just because he had it for so much of the tournament, and it, it just he just let it slip away. Yeah, and Sam Burns was like steady Eddie. It was kind of crazy how he was just playing with DJ and and normally DJ is the guy that's locked in and ready to go and pretty much un- unflappable out there, you know. And, and and it seemed like Sam Burns was like that until he snap hooked one basically OB and then it bounced back in the by the grace bounce of, you'll ever see. By the grace of God. So, so I wasn't watching. So yeah. I was driving back from New Mexico yesterday. I'm listening on Sirius XM radio and the, I mean they're just like losing their minds on this tee shot on 12. Basically the way they described it is he aimed left he pulled it, and it was hooking. Yeah. And they're like, oh, guys, this is way out of bounds, is what they're saying on the broadcast. And then all of a sudden, they're talking about some volunteer, like he's not reteeing, and there's a flag in the ground. And the guy on the radio came in, and he was like, if his ball is where that flag is, this is the kind of lucky break that might win you a golf tournament. And it nearly did for Sam Burns. It was yeah, it, it was remarkable what happened with his golf ball on 12. It was. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting, though, because Sam played great 
all week. And, uh, and then, you know, there's just a fine line once you're coming down the stretch of winning golf, you know, and, and Max Homa was the guy hitting the shots. He was playing that nice tight draw pretty much all day yesterday. And, uh, and he was hitting the shots down the stretch, um, ball striking clinic by Max Homa. Um, and then you have Finau, um, coming down the stretch. He was playing great golf until uh, once you get to 18, I was going to bring up with, with Finau. I mean, obviously we talk about how he's finished second, whatever, like 11 times. But, um, I, I think part of it has to do with, I saw that he, first of all, he played really quick, on 18 on that second shot he got a little quick caught a little chunky and left on the on 18 left it up on that hill still made a nice up and down to get in the playoff um but then he kept getting quick like on the on the par three in the playoff on the second playoff hole he got quick again and I think part of it might have to do with that short backswing I don't know um but that's just me speculating but I mean he what his miss was left and it did look like he was getting a little quick down the stretch under extreme pressure so. Yeah, yeah, you know, we anytime, you know, whether it be for the $5 Nassau or whether it be in uh, your club championship or whatever term you're playing in, we all we all tend to have a typical miss under pressure. And or at least if you don't know what your miss is under pressure, it's best to figure it out now so that way you <laughs> right. can attack it when it comes. And for Fina to hit though and and to put it in perspective here guys, it's he wasn't hitting four and five irons on these shots. These were short irons to, I believe, he on, hit a pitch. On 18, he had, I think, 146 in. And then coming back around in the playoff hole, that would have been, what, an eight iron maybe? Once, yeah, I was 178 yep. or something like Probably that. Probably seven so, or eight yeah. iron, yeah. Yeah, so as we're Where you seen, can't miss left. That pin is left, tuck, said, and you can't miss left in that bunker. No, they said he literally had four paces to work with. And he ended up leaving it eight feet short. Basically, <laughs> right on the same line that Homa did. And Max Homa hit a ballsy shot there, too. You he don't did. Wanna, you don't want to miss left of that pin and he was left but he got he, he was got a yard he it. was a yard from being where Finau was yeah yes. well but Finau was even more in the middle of the bunker which made his bunker shot even tougher true no. so. true and, and, he had a lot of sand to carry yeah. before he got to grab yes. I thought he actually had a pretty good shot just to give himself a seven footer so. he, 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 it was a tough shot and you know one thing about that is if if Homa did end up a yard left there's a very good chance he lands on the edge of the bunker and he may even kick and been out further away than Finau was right. so I mean that, that tells you that's a game of of inches, feet, yards, however fine you want to get into it. And, you know, also, too, boys, like we were talking about right before we came on, Sam, you you see on Sunday, doesn't really even matter how many strokes he's behind, you see Dustin Johnson's in the final group, and you got to think to yourself, how in the world is this guy going to lose this tournament? And he is one of, let me scroll through here, um, of the people who finished inside of the top, 15, he was one of two players who shot over par yesterday. Yeah, that's the first time he shot over par in a final round since last year at Riviera. Um, you know, How I mean, crazy is that, I, I, by the that's way? That's an unbelievable stat, first of all. Um, DJ, I mean, he played great for three days. I thought he put himself in a perfect position to win the golf tournament, and then he just wasn't really sharp on, on Sunday. You know, it was kind of like he was missing some fairways, which he doesn't normally do. Like, he, he had to pitch out one time. He... He missed a couple putts right on the lip. You know, it just wasn't sharp DJ, world beater DJ that we're used to seeing lately. So yeah, you, you go through here and you look at the um, the top the top fifteen, like we just mentioned, guys. And of all the people on Sunday, Sam Burns lost one point four eight strokes tee to green. Dustin Johnson lost one point six four tee to Whoa. green. And that's where he makes all of his money. And also, DJ was minus point, um, point four one on putting. So, and Sam Burns was uh, 
2.43 strokes yesterday gained on putting. So that goes to yeah, show he where... he putted like 11 of the first 13 holes, I think. He won putted? That's what we're talking about. He was able to get up and down and salvage it, but you can only do that for so long on a difficult course, and it finally come, came to, to eat him. But, you know, give him some credit. I mean, he did He did end up birdie in 17 to give him a chance after he fell behind. And, you know, you look at everyone under him, you see a 5-under, a 7-under, a 4-under, a 5-under, another 4-under, um, another 4-under in there. And, and he shot 2-under. It's not like he shot an absolutely horrible score. But at the same time, there's so many good players out there. There's people who are going to go out there and shoot low on Sunday. And, you know, give Tony Finau credit. He did shoot 7-under, made 8 birdies or whatever they said. But the golf he played in the playoff for a guy who wants to be a top uh, – should be a top-five player in the world with how many times he finishes second and doesn't win – I, th- those are just shots that you can't hit, and for him not to get up and down on ten like he did, that that that's an opportunity where a gamers get up and down from there. Yeah. Obviously, Homa hit a fabulous shot when he was up against the tree to to give him a birdie look at all, which I thought was impossible. I honestly thought even Dottie Pepper mentioned. I thought before she said it, he might try the old bounce it off the tree effect because that's from the <laughs> camera angle. That's how bad it looked, but you could see he was able to hook it a little bit more. But Fina had a six footer to win and essentially left it short. I mean. Come on, guys. I mean, I mean, we know that's very unacceptable. And, and well, first of all, that shot that Homa hit, it was like the hooking part. The hooking it part wasn't the hard part. the The hard part was getting the right speed, like the right number of bounces going up the hill to be whole high. I mean, I thought he was. If you're going to try to hook a little shot around the tree like that, you might or like to the inside part of the tree like that. I thought he might blast it over the green into the bunker. I mean, it's easy to do. You, you have you never practice something like that. I thought it was amazing that he was able to have the touch and feel to do that. And then you were talking about Finau. He hit a I thought he had a pretty good chip like off a tight lie under pressure like he gave himself a chance on 10. On 10 yeah, in he the playoff. Played, or, I, 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 thought, I mean, I'm I thought sorry. the chip was fine. I yeah. thought that the putt was was weak. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, it technically was a chip on Strokes can approach. Right, right, right. So. right. Oh, okay. in, the, in the playoff? In the playoff, yeah. Finau chipped it in the playoff. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, he put, I, it, he put it back in his stance with a little low lofted. He played a little bump and run. Oh, I could have swore he putted it. So, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he chipped it. But anyways, regardless, uh, my point was going to be like, Finau is just there all the time. And eventually, he's got to get over that mental hump of just like, let's just let it go. Knock it in the back. I mean, and it just seems like he tends to play tentative coming down the stretch. Um, and then we were talking, speaking of, I was talking yesterday with you guys. I was like, this is a pillow fight coming down the stretch because um, Max Homa hit a great shot. And first of all, Max Homa is one of the most relatable golfers on tour. <laughs> well, and, and he's made himself very accessible yeah. through his social media presence, his podcast that he does with Shane Bacon. And you remember forever he did the deal on Twitter where he would judge people's golf swings yep. and, and tell them stuff about their golf swings. So he's made himself very accessible and very likable to PGA Tour He's fans. helping grow the game, for he sure. Is. He oh, is. yeah. And yeah. He, even the way he plays golf is a little bit of a roller coaster, but... Um, I mean, they had the worm's eye view of that putt, and I was saying even before he hit the putt, I was like, this is missing low. He was aimed right center on a putt that broke outside the hole. I was like, there's no chance, but like, um, obviously he didn't miss it low. But then I think because his missed so low, and it lacked speed too. He left it short, missed it low. I think that it made Tony Finau think that his was going to be an even bigger snapper. And then I think Tony Finau hit the putt that he wanted to hit. I I was talking about didn't snap. Yeah, I was talking about on eighteen. The three three footer on eighteen. No, yeah, because he aimed right center and kind of tried to jam it in there. Uh, By by the way, do you know what Max Homa was from inside five feet in this event prior to that stroke on eighteen? What was it? Perfect. 
He was, he was 55 for 56 on putts inside wow. five feet before the miss at 18. So 55 for 50, for 55 for 57 in regulation for Max Homa from inside five feet. Um, and, and just one thing about Sam Burns, just if we can go back and touch on this, I, I think that people see a lead on the PGA Tour through three rounds. And for so long... What was the standard? The standard was Tiger. And Tiger would go out, and he would always win when he had the lead after three rounds. And I think that sometimes we still just think that guys should win if they if they lead after three rounds. You know, we don't always expect NBA teams to win just because they have a lead after the third quarter. We don't expect teams in the NFL to win because they lead through three quarters. But if a golfer leads through three rounds, then all of a sudden he's a choker if he doesn't close it and win on Sunday, when I don't necessarily and, think that that's the case. And Sam Burns is anything but a choker. I mean, just look at his front nine yesterday I mean he went out there guns blazing and then I mean obviously it's just not as easy as people think it is I don't I wouldn't consider what Sam Burns yesterday to be a choke you you want the numbers here on the 54 hole leads yeah let's hear it okay so uh since the beginning of last season there have been 24 occasions where a player has led by one or two strokes entering the final round of those 24 how many do you think have gone on to win I would say 50 50 I say 12 12 Uh, Sam yeah sounds about right Four out of 24 times, wow. the guy with a one or two stroke lead entering the final round has converted it since the beginning of solo, last season. These are solo leads. So, solo leads by one or two strokes. Only 16.7% have converted since the beginning of last season. And I think that that really puts in perspective, you know, it, it's not like in, in basketball or football where you immediately go from the third quarter to the fourth quarter. You sleep on it. We all get a whole day and a whole night to think about and talk about who's going to win the tournament on Sunday, and everybody just tends to lean toward the guy who's in the lead. But 20 out of 24 times since the start of last season, that guy doesn't win it if he's only got a small lead. Yeah, and, you know, I think one thing that may even hurt him, because like you said, Colby, you know, normally you sleep on the lead, and, you know, they had to come out and finish the – the final third round on Sunday because of the high winds, which, I mean, everyone in Oklahoma is probably raising a fit. We play at 35 to 40 mile an hour winds. Why are they canceling golf for 28 mile an hour gusts? And the greens are just faster. You have to do what you have to do to make it right. Yeah, and we don't play on greens that are rolling a 13 either. N- normally we yeah. don't, and sometimes it's your home club. You do. but Occasionally, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, just, um, excuse me, going back to, you know, especially going back to Sam Burns here, guys, I mean, like I said, he shot two under. I mean, it's, it's not like he, he – DJ shot one over. He beat DJ by three shots yesterday. Yeah. And If but, I can push back just a little bit, though, I will say Sam Burns played his worst golf of the entire tournament on the back nine on Sunday, and that's when you win tournaments. But, but like you mentioned, Kobe, you mentioned the one and two shot leads. Those guys aren't – they haven't led after three rounds of the tournament either. You know, Sam Burns led after every single round right. going into it, and he, he, was I, never, he never even got tied no. until the back nine on Sunday. And yeah. I, th- I think that even for him, maybe that 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 gap between because I know when he first came out on on Sunday morning to finish his third round, made a couple bogeys in there, was able to get it rebounded, and who knows? It seemed like it it may have helped him because his score was there, but yet he was still one putting and having him get up and down in certain spots, and so. You know, it, it's an interesting position, boys, because you know Homa and Finau. I believe you know, I don't know if Homa, I don't know if Finau had finished before, but I know you know a lot of guys had to go back there and finish their rounds. And someone like friend of the show Taylor Gooch, who was in the second to last group um, yesterday, and he was able to finish his round on on Saturday, so he got to sleep overnight. And so you know, at that point, is it a benefit or an 
a non-benefit to go out and play a few holes to finish your round because you get to see what the course is like. Obviously, the pins are changing and all that, but they're not going to go out there and re re mow the greens or anything like that. Or if they do, it's not going to be no, that drastic. Did you hear what they did to the greens after the fiasco Sunday? Probably or, or slowed Saturday. Pop, probably slowed them down drastically. They didn't even cut them. They didn't touch them. They yeah. didn't roll them. They didn't mow them. They didn't put water on them. They did not touch them. They let them naturally grow out from Saturday to Sunday to take a little bit of the fire out in case the winds got up again. Yeah. See, I, th- I think that adds to the point of, I think it would have been more beneficial to actually have gone out and finished out your third round because then you get to have some playing hole experience where you get with those slow greens because if you go out there and the greens have been rolling as fast as they have and they don't decide to mow them, I mean, we know what that's like. I mean, yeah. it's going to be a lot slower than that what you're course, used to, and you have to play it so much differently. That course was playing completely different in the morning than it was in the afternoon, though. Like, even just the weather. Like, Sam Burns had two jackets on this morning in the morning. It was cold. You know, and then by the end of the day, it was, like, perfect weather. Um, I, I, I wanted to touch on Max Homa real quick, too. Um, talking about how he's one of the most relatable guys, one of the guys that you really want to root for on the PGA Tour nowadays. Um, back in 2018, um, I was out in Scottsdale during New Year's, and a um, friend of the show, Taylor Gooch, invited me over for a little uh, New Year's Eve party, and Max Homa was actually there. And Max Homa said – he was doing the Golf Channel stuff at the time, and I, I asked him, I go, like, why, why are you still wanting to play golf if, you know, like you're – have such good gig at the golf channel and he literally just straight up told me he said i'm not ready to give up the dream yet and, and how next, long ago was this this was in 2018 the next okay. year he yep. won on the pga tour and then he won again this year and i wanted to touch on another thing about um yesterday i mean it was just really impressive because this wasn't just another pga tournament tour tournament to him like this was like his masters you know what i mean like he grew up going to watch riviera this is where he um grew to love the game of golf and everything. And I thought that the shots he was hitting yesterday were unreal under that, under that pressure. I mean, obviously Tony Finau was feeling pressure too, to win um, and kind of get that stigma of the second place guy off his back. But I mean, I, I, I think that of all the guys in the tournament, I think Max Homa had more pressure on himself at least than any other guy did in the tournament. And he came out and won and he had one of the great quotes of all time. He said, LA is the city of champions. You have the Lakers, the Dodgers, and now me. <laughs> that was I mean, great. That, that, was good. that's one of the most badass quotes I've ever heard. So uh, yeah. And he's, he's tweeted a couple times since he won yesterday. One, you know, he went whenever he was a kid, his dad would put him on his shoulders. He tried to get a high five from tiger. He's a huge tiger fanatic, just like all of us. Uh, and a lot of people in our generation are, and he tweeted, his first tweet after the win said, I spent over a dozen years trying to get Tiger to give me a high five at Riviera, and today he handed me a trophy. What a world. <laughs> and, and that's just so, I can't imagine how special that was for Max Homa, because like you said, this, this was everything to him. And, and the emotion that he showed in the post-round interview, I, I got lucky with the timing on it going to a playoff, because like I said, I've come back from New Mexico, ski trip. So I actually listened to the tee shots on number 10 in the playoff in the car. And then I backed the car in the garage, ran inside, turned the TV on, said hi to the dogs, watched the remaining shots of the playoff. The first one I saw was Homa up against the tree through the end of the playoff. And then I watched the post-round interviews. I thought Homa was great. He he got emotional. He didn't mean to. He, he said he didn't think he would be like that. But when Amanda asked him the question about winning at home and about being there with his dad and now he's got the trophy, it really hit him. I also think Tony Finau was really good in his post-round interview because – it's got to be hard for him to continue to stand there and get interviewed on this side of the green while the guy who won the tournament's getting interviewed on this side of the green. That's got to be hard for Tony Finau 
but yet he keeps doing it week after week. He continues to talk about the positives, building up to, to winning. Uh, so I do hope that that first win is coming for him soon. But I liked both of the post-round interviews from the guys in the playoff yeah, yesterday. Yeah, definitely. Two two things about, about Homa, which is you know kind of like you were reading to Sam, is that these guys out there on the tour, they're normal people just like us, right? They all they all yep. grew up idolizing someone, a, a sports figure more than likely. If you're on the tour, you, you grow up idolizing a golfer. And if you finally get to meet the person who you looked up to your entire life, I mean, that's something that, first of all, no one can ever take away from you because you're going to feel that emotion for the rest of your life. And, you know, it's something that you can always you can always say growing, going forward. And, you know, the second point about Max Home is that the two courses he's won at now, boys – Riviera and Quail Hollow, that that's a sign of a true of a, of a true gamer there. If Ball you can, striker. If you can win on golf courses, if you man. can win on those golf courses, it's and you know like we we've kind of sarcastically talked about the Puerto Rico. It's it's kind of funny. You go to Tony Finau's uh, world ranking, and his win at Puerto Rico is his eleventh most points that he's got in a tournament. So my point being is that he's not only going home, is not going out and just winning good fields. He's doing it at really good golf courses, which we know. Traditionally, the the mainstay of players, and we can get even to a little bit more of this later. The the Rorys, the Justin Thomases, the DeChambeaus have more likely chance to win, and they all finished near the bottom of the leaderboard and did not play the weekend. By the way, Rory McIlroy had the longest made cut streak on the PGA Tour. That is now over. I believe twenty five is where it ended. So he came up just about seven years and three weeks shy of breaking <laughs> Tiger's record of so one hundred forty. Pardon me, tying Tiger's record would have been at the Players in twenty twenty eight if he had made every cut between now. And then, of course, he did not this week. Going back to Tony Finau, he's got 37 top 10 finishes since his last win. Basically, since 2017 started, uh, since he won the Puerto Rico just before that. Three other players in that time are tied for second. Keep in mind, Finau has 37 top 10s in that span of time. What do you think the next number is? And, and this of is most top 10s. Most top 10s without a win? or Most, most top 10s without a win since 2017. Give me one of the three guys... Or give me the number that they're on. I would say the next best is probably 18. You're close. You're close. It's the- 16. Three guys have 16 top 10s without a win. Exactly since the 16? Beginning of 20, exactly 16. Can you name any of the three? It's 2017 three. who have little, not won. little trivia action. Well, this is trivia. Bunch Look, of top 10s. Just thank you, guys who, thank you guys who always finish high and don't win. Four years we're going back now. Uh, let me see. I'm gonna think. Not a real easy question. No, it's Sam. Not. Any guesses? I'm, go uh, for it. Shoffley. Sam. Nope. Shoffley won in 2019 at Century. Oh, these are guys without a win. Without total. a win since okay, 2017. Okay. Yep. All right. Sorry. Since 2017. Sorry. Hideki. Uh, Hideki's not on the list. Nope. Hideki's one more recent than that, I guess, or doesn't have that many top tens. Tommy Fleet, uh, Fairway Jesus. Fairway Jesus is Fairway one of Jesus. the three. Tommy Fleetwood has sixteen top tens since the beginning of twenty seventeen with no wins. And this is—is is this PGA one. Tour? This PGA Tour. Yep. Uh, PGA Matthew Tour Fitzpatrick. Events. Fitzpatrick's not on there. Nope. These other two are very much tougher guesses. These are not. I mean, these are not like top names in the in the game of golf. You want me just to give them to you? Yeah. Go let's, ahead. Let's hear it. Ben on. Okay. Has 16 We're top 10s. The, yeah. the Southern Hills, yeah. USM mm-hmm. champ. Yep. Uh, and Kevin Streelman has 16 top 10s without a win since the beginning of 2016. But Tony Finau more than doubles both of those guys going up right there. Why don't we do this? Yeah. One, one, go, thing, go one, one thing I want to say about Finau, you mentioned his poster on an interview, and I don't know, boys, maybe, maybe it's just me, the competitor in me, and I understand wanting to try to find positives and everything, and, and you should, rightfully, everyone should, but... 
I just thought he was way too happy after losing another tournament. Third straight, second in a row, and he's... I didn't think he was I happy. Disagree. I disagree. I didn't get a happy vibe. I, no, like, what else are you supposed to do, though? Like, you, The only way to continue to be great is to be positive about yourself. Like, getting down on yourself is not going to do anything. Well, well, I, I'm not saying he should have sit there and bawled his eyes out and crying, but... You know, he 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 praised his seven under, which rightfully so. I yeah. mean, you should. I mean, it got him into the playoff, but he almost sounded like the whole time that he sounded like he didn't even deserve to be in the playoff because he was only talking about what happened before that. And, I mean, obviously, maybe after the round he was able to to reconcile on it, but I don't know, boys. It's just if, if it had been, for example – someone who hadn't been there before, maybe a 21, 22-year-old player, or some of these guys get a sponsor's exemption or whatever it may be, and they're acting like that, I see nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, but for like someone he... who's a top 10 player in the world to not be dissatisfied for not having won, yeah, so, I don't he know. Is. It, he is dissatisfied. But he There's... didn't show very much okay, of it. Okay, but mm, like I mean... he knows what people are about to say. He's about to, People are going to get on here like a podcast like ours and talk about the talk top about tens. the top 10s, talk about him finishing second, and he just reminding everybody like i'm putting myself there i'm, I'm shooting 64 i'm playing good golf it's gonna well, happen eventually another thing is honestly and maybe he shouldn't be but he's probably used to those interviews at this point yeah. i mean honestly to him i'm sure that he was very disappointed but for him it's like well let's strap on the headset and do another interview for a runner-up let, let me yeah. ask let me ask you guys who have played tournaments money games whatever it may be do you learn more when you win or when you lose Always when you lose. 100%. What yeah. about you, Colby? I wouldn't say always when you lose because the, the couple times well, in my can... golf life that I've been able to play great golf and close out a tournament, I've learned a lot about myself Correct. and what I can That's do fair. in those moments. Yep. 100% but, agree with that. But I'll say there's a tournament that Taylor and I play every summer that like five times I finished like top three and I couldn't ever win. And I learned from all those. And then one year I finally break through and, and win and played unbelievable. And you, you have to go through those losses. Most people have to go through those losses first to know what it feels like in your hands on that back nine, to know what you're going to be doing off the tee, decision-making, stuff like that. So I'd say 80-20, you learn more when you lose. I, I yeah. would say – oh, go ahead, Sam. No, I, 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 I was totally agreeing. I, I was just going to agree with Colby, and it, it, you're right. It's not always when you lose. You can always learn something from when you win, being in the heat of battle if you get it done. Um, and, and kind of learn about your thought processes and um, stuff like that. But, I mean, it, it, I, my point about Finau is once the tournament's over with, there's nothing he can do to go back and change it. There's no reason to just, like, crap on yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. I, no, no, and I'm not saying that he should have went up there and belittled everything he did in the playoff or anything like that. I'm just saying there's a fine line. and You just want him to look more upset that he can't win. I'm not even saying look more upset. My point being about learning from your losses is is that he seems so positive with his second that he's almost doesn't seem like that he – I mean, obviously he is behind the scenes, but maybe not not learning enough about himself. Not Because if, you, if you're so positive, you don't see your negativities. And for someone as talented as Finau to have as many seconds as he does, there's something holding him back there. And if you're so positive all the time, you might not be able to sit down and fully break down what that is, yeah. and you keep finishing second. But I will say, like, he changed his putting a little bit, standing a little farther from the ball Which with the toe up. Which looks weird It as does hell. look weird. With but, the toe off the ground. But to be fair, it, it worked. 
It, it got him into a playoff. Yeah, he, he putted, putted great yesterday. He putted solid. Point seven six strokes gained on the it field worked. this week. I mean, that's that's not bad. It worked. It was good enough to get him in a playoff. And my point is, there's no reason to just sit there and dwell on all the like little things that you did wrong all week when you really just hit two bad shots. He hit one bad shot on 18 going into the green, and he hit one bad shot in, on the second playoff hole left. But, like... Yesterday he played flawless golf up until that point. You know, like yeah, he he was great in regulation. He he played maybe the round of the week in regulation, and then he got tentative in the playoff. I, I was just scrolling down looking at the putting uh, statistics from this week, and our boy Gare Bear, Gary Woodland, he only played two rounds, and he lost nearly four shots to the field. Yeah, wow. Good per, lord, per round, losing four shots to the field putting. Well, we know I why he didn't imagine. play the weekend. I can't even imagine how you lose that many. I mean, you got to be missing a bunch of shorties. You do, and, and you have to. You have to literally not make anything yes. outside of however far, because you know eight foot is one point five. You miss an eight footer, you lost point five yeah. strokes right there. So you, right. he's literally not making anything. And you know, I'll, my last thing I'll say about Fina boys, everyone has a different personality. I understand that. But would Tiger have ever gotten up after losing a playoff and said those words like Finau yeah, did? Yeah, but he Tiger's not Finau, and Fe, and Tiger's not Homa either. Like Homa, like every guy's different, and every guy needs to have a different personality to play their best golf. I, well, I, look, Tiger's like won eight, Tiger's won eighty two times, and Finau's won once. I understand. Well, and we know Finau should have won like, more. But but I I totally don't think that's a fair comparison at all to say Tiger never would have done that because I think that that. I, I always think it's wrong to compare normal professional athletes to greatest of all time professional athletes. Like, you know, people, you know, in, in the NBA, they're like, well, Michael would have done this. Well, Kobe, well, well LeBron would have done this. Tom well, Brady. Tom, Tom Brady. Oh, well, Tom Brady would have done this. Peyton Manning film, studied you know, more film than anyone. Those, those guys are different. I think a better female comparison would be to a guy uh, like Bubba. Who, who wins a lot and just has the clutch gene but doesn't contend well, all the time. Or even Homa now, who's won twice in the last three PGA Tour seasons, but isn't the most the consistent. Fina should about, have a lot more wins than Homa does. You I, have to I, admit I, that. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that I think it'd be better to compare him to those guys than to Tiger because it's hard, man. It's just but let hard me ask to compare this, to the Tito, like you, you know, like you've played golf. Do you think Max Homa could play his best golf having a stoic personality like Tiger? Or it, to put it in perspective, Sam Burns does kind of have that stoic personality, doesn't ever show any emotion, and it didn't necessarily work out for him yesterday. And Max Homa was going out there being exuberant. He was even on his phone before the playoff, probably looking at tweets about himself. Yeah. You know, but it, 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 every guy has to have a different personality to play their best golf. It uh, like Lee Trevino is one of the greatest of all time. He didn't have the same personality as Jack or Arnie or Tiger. You know what I mean? Everybody's different. But Lee Trevino also has seven major championships. I agree. Oh, yeah, he has, Lee Trevino he has was seven, great. He has seven times as many major championships. As, my, my whole point about Fino is that there is a reason why he is not winning. There has to be. He is up towards the top of the leaderboard way too often to not win. And in my opinion, I think being too positive about the times he finished second is contributing to the reason why he is not winning because I think that may, maybe off the scenes he is. But after that interview, it's proved it, it showed me that maybe he is not critiquing himself enough. I'm not saying, like I said, Sam and Colby, I completely agree. You can't belittle yourself because then you just dig yourself in a hole and you never get out of it. Right. But if you're not able to look in the mirror at the mistakes that you made during the round and not just focus 100% on the positives, then I just don't think you can take that next step, which is what he needs to do. And I, I, and the, everyone that we mentioned about the people you can't compare to were just ultimate competitors, and that's why they wanted to win because they hated to lose so bad. You hate you hated to lose more than you wanted to win, and I think Finau is he's either scared to win or 
he's there's just something in there that's holding him back. And I think the positive, the too much positivity. Maybe I'm just trying to poke fingers at, as to why he hasn't won, and, well, and that's really curious. the only thing I can think of. At this I, I point. would be curious to know if what he does in these post round interviews, like what he did yesterday, because he he did he focused almost exclusively on regulation and how he played in regulation, and and barely mentioned how he played in the playoff. Um, you know, just said that he tugged it left there on 14. I'm curious to know how much of that is just like. You know, his image is the nice guy and, you know, I'll win when I win. And and that's his image that he maintains. But I'm curious to know if when he leaves the golf course, when he gets in the car to head back to his hotel, when he gets on the plane to head to Florida, then then what does he think? The conversations he has with his team, what are those conversations like? That's stuff that we're not privy to and that we'll never know. But I have to imagine that there's a lot more reflection that goes on behind the scenes than what we see whenever Tony Finau's in front of a camera. Well, yeah, and you know, like, the, he wouldn't keep going out there trying to do this every every year, every week if he wasn't and, – and first of all, he wouldn't even put himself in those positions if he wasn't critiquing himself and he wasn't putting that pressure on himself to go win – um, I, I find it hard to believe that when he gets in the car just by himself, he he wasn't pissed off yesterday. You know what I mean? I, I, he's definitely got to have some fire in him somewhere to be keep putting himself in that position. My only point about it was like it, it, part of part of his like relaxed personality might be that he knows. If he keeps putting himself in those positions, it's got to happen eventually. But and when it does happen, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, the breakthrough will be unreal. It'll be a celebration in the golf world, uh, like you rarely see for a guy winning his second PGA Tour event. And I will say this: so I said it was the last thing about Fion. This truly is the last thing. And then we'll take and, a break. And then we will. Okay. So you you sent out the thing, Colby. Mon- Monday qualifier sent it out. He finished DFL in the Monday qualifier, twenty sixteen or Fino, 20- No, no, no. What, this is back in like 2010 20 ten. at Riv. I think he shot like no. an eighty one. Or maybe his Phoenix shot like an 81 in the Monday. Nevertheless, that goes to show that his game has improved drastically over a long time. I, kn- I knew people that knew Phenom before he was on tour, and everyone just said that he was a bomber and didn't really have much else to his, of his game. So he's definitely developed that. One of the better bunker players on tour, like they were saying. But, you know, when you talk about the pressure and putting himself there, I think that, you know, subconsciously the greatest fear in the world is the unknown, right? Yep. So... If you go into a situation and you're putting so much pressure on yourself to win the tournament, if you haven't fully analyzed why you haven't been able to get it done, you technically don't know why you can't do it, right? Yeah. So, I, I like I said, I don't... That's a good point. Th- there has to be a reason why he has had so many top seconds and third finishes without winning. There's no, like, Colby, you just saw 37 to 16 is the next most? Oh, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. There has to be an underlying reason to that. And I mean, I mean, I'm just trying 13th to, in the world. He's 13th he's, in the world, so on planet Earth... There are 12 guys currently walking the planet who are better golfers than Tony Finau, but yet he just can't get in the winner's circle. It's, it's uncanny. It really is uncanny. And, and even like, um, and even like um, Fairway Jesus, like we mentioned earlier, who has, who has 16 on tour, he's at least winning the, some of the big uh, Euro, European tour events. Finau went over there and still finished second. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my point being, second. Uh, my, the yeah. whole thing about Finau, there has to be a reason why he's not closing these tournaments. I don't know what it is. We live in a twilight world, boys, like Kobe said. We don't, we don't know what happens behind the scenes. But from what I saw in that interview, I think that that's some and, – and also to his credit – who would ever thought to start the day he was fin- he was going to be in a playoff because he shot seven under, which no one else did, and also home had a three foot on eighteen to win. 
Right. And, and, and he, so he pretty much thought he was done the well, whole time. So, so then, you know, butterfly effect. If Homa makes the three-footer on 18, then we sit here today and we praise Tony Finau for shooting 64 on Sunday and giving himself a chance. It just didn't end up being enough. But since Homa misses the three-footer, now Tony Finau has a chance to miss the six-footer in the playoff and hook it into the bunker on well, 14. Well, and it's, so, it's not like Homa went out and birdied 10 or birdied the par three either. Right, he you know, Finau bogeyed to lose. Right. Like yeah. Sam was saying, the, the, the playoff was a pillow fight. I mean, it. Yeah. at the end of the day, Finau lost that. In the playoff, he lost it. He gave himself to get there, but yeah. I'm sorry to get down, getting down the, the well, Finau rabbit hole. Hey, I was just going to mention one more thing before we get off of Riviera. Our guys, our local guys, Hovland and Gooch, had great weeks. Hovland shot four under on Sunday uh, to get a top five finish at seven under, and Gooch... Me- mega backdoor on the top mega five Mega backdoor on the top five. That was nice. And Gooch, like we said, we he was your one and done. And he I put Gooch in my DraftKings. He did great. Um, shot five under, finished T12. He played uh, a great, great round on Saturday. Great really week did. by our guy T. Gooch. So. Yeah, absolutely. Fifth for Hovland, 12th for Gooch. Good round Ricky for Ricky Fowler of had guys. a top 20 as well. Ricky it's Fowler It's been a long did. time since we've heard that. <laughs> Tied for 20, Ricky Fowler did. And he still, let's look here, Ricky Fowler. Hey, he jumped up in the world rankings. He was 66th. Now he's 65th. All right. So that means if he gets 65 more T20s, they should jump up one spot a week, right? Sounds right. That sounds about right. He'll get, in, he'll get into the WGCs and majors eventually. Yeah, can't argue with that logic. I wonder if he'll go play Puerto Rico this week, try to get some uh, world ranking points. We'll, we'll talk about all that tomorrow on our preview show. We need to take a break, come back, because we've still got a lot to get into. We've got to get into some college golf that was played in Tallahassee this week, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Both find themselves on the podium, and then we've got uh, quite a bit more to do, and then we will... Call it on a Monday. Stay with us here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at mcrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McCray Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Do yourself a favor right now and head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Right there, you can listen to our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the email list as well. And if you're curious what happens uh, on the collegiate tour, if you will, they've always got the updates right there, and you can go check out how Oklahoma and Oklahoma State did this past week at the Seminole Intercollegiate. And, fellas, it was a good tournament. It ends up going Florida State, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, the top three on the podium. Now, of course, this tournament, it's the Seminole Intercollegiate. It was played in Tallahassee, Florida, and at the top of the leaderboard uh, is none other than Florida State. Liberty, as a team, finished fourth, but they did have the individual champion, 
Alexandre Fuchs shot 65-65-75, limped his way to a victory with the Sunday 75. I guess that's why you build the big lead. But all in all, second for Oklahoma State, third for Oklahoma. I'd say that's a pretty darn good week for the collegiate teams in Florida. Oh, it's a great week, especially considering the weather that we've had here. They couldn't have played many holes leading up to this tournament. They were just probably hitting out of some bays, getting ready uh, to go down to Houston, and then that gets canceled, and then they go down to Tallahassee. And like like you said, this is a great week for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Like it, it, When you go down and play at someone else's home course, generally if that team is worth anything at all, they're going to they're gonna go win um, on that home course. Uh, and especially with the weather that OU and OSU had leading up to it, I would say a second and a third place finish is pretty solid. Um, and then also in second place, uh, you had John Pack from Florida State, which is leading, he is leading the PGA Tour U rankings. Um, so that is, even and, and he be, finished second as an individual. Yeah, finished yeah. second as an individual, and so that's going to help him uh, even bump up his lead even more in the, those PGA Tour U rankings. And as far as that goes, um, you had uh, Eckroat. Last week, he was in third place, uh, and he finished T11th with a 70-74-69. Nice final round there. That was a nice um, final round. He, he, nice. he made up some ground on the field with the yeah, final he round did. 69. He did. That, that will help him in the points some. And also, Quade Cummins and Garrett Reband uh, were 6-7 and seven in the PGA Tour U rankings. I would assume Garrett Reband, uh, they haven't updated the new PGA Tour U rankings. I think they might do that today. Um, but Garrett Reband finished T11th with Eckroat um, with a 213. Uh, and by, so by the he, way, just to interrupt real yep. quick, Eckroat 69 on Sunday, 75 guys in the field. There were five sub-70 rounds on Sunday. Wow, that's a good impressive. Round. That's yep. impressive. And, and and like I was saying, just uh, Reband was in seventh and Quaid was in sixth. I would assume that Reband might jump Quaid uh, for that sixth spot uh, because Quaid finished T26, still a solid week, 71, 72, 74. Um, and so that will be an interesting little uh, in team battle between Reband and Quaid to get in the top five of those PGA Tour U rankings. Yeah, so. no doubt. Par 72 golf course. Should also uh, throw some love to Eugenio Lopez Chikara of Oklahoma State. Finished third as an individual with a Sunday 68 par 72 golf course. He was eight under on the week. And then Patrick Welch from Oklahoma continued to play good golf. He goes 69 68 72 at the Seminole Intercollegiate and he finishes T4 as an individual. So a lot of good golf. Shout out from, Vinny. From the college guys. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to see. Were there Bo, any other Bo Big Jim, 12 schools, Bo, Bo schools on the field? Fin- yeah, Bo Jim finished, uh, for OSU finished uh, T8 as well. Nice 66 in the second round. I see West Virginia here as the only other Big 12 school I see on the list. They finished T10 uh, as a team. They did have one guy finish T6, but nothing else other than that from the Big 12 uh, collegiately. But, yeah, Seminole intercollegiate. I think Florida State's probably got a bit of an advantage there. and They paid it off and got the win. So, uh, good for Florida State. Really good for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State finishing that up. We'll keep you posted uh, as more happens throughout the college golf season, and we'll keep a close eye on those PGA Tour U rankings as Austin Eckroat, Garrett Reban, and Quade Cummins have quite a lot riding uh, on where they finish in the PGA Tour U. Yeah, these next these next few tournaments, because I believe it ends after Nationals, correct? If I'm if I'm not mistaken, yes, that's PGA correct. Tour. Yep. So I mean, we're 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 hitting home stretch essentially here, boys. I mean, when when you're flirting between full Corn Ferry status and then going to McKenzie status, that is a Big difference. And I say McKenzie, you have your option, but nevertheless. But most guys will choose McKenzie, which it, is PGA Tour Canada. Yeah, yes, yes. And as that is such a huge difference. And for Eckroat to be three, 
Quaid to be six, Reband to be seven. As of the last rankings, it'll be interesting to see how they evaluate. Hopefully, they update it by um, by when we do our preview show, so we can let y'all know about that for this upcoming event. But but yeah, that's definitely the storyline, guys. And I mean, I'm looking here right now. You know, obviously, Golfstat has their own rankings, and um, you know, they say Oklahoma is the number one team in the country right now. And then right now, they got OSU at 14, which I think maybe maybe a little too high in an aspect of 14 is a high number. They should be inside the top 10, I believe. I think they'll get there that way. Some other good high ranked um, tournaments in the field were um, Liberty, which had um, what was the guy's name that won? Alexandre Fuchs. Alexandre Fuchs. Right Where does Liberty play at, by the way? Is that Virginia? Do you, do you have any idea? I think it's in Virginia. That's a good good question. I, finish sure. your thoughts. I, right, look they, they I'd top, love to know what their home course they is. They were top 25 in football this last year. I know that. So they're at least got a good sports program. And yeah, it's South Florida, 33rd ranked. North Florida's 29th ranked. Um, Duke is a very high, high potent program. It's 32nd. So, you know, there was there was 15 teams in the tournament and Oh, you know, she didn't even go out and necessarily beat the good teams. They almost dominated them in a sense. The only one that was within any, besides Florida State, who won at their home course, the only other um, team that was close was Liberty, and that's because they had the the winner of the championship. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It is in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, by the way. Yep. Lynchburg, Virginia. And I was trying to see what their home course is, if it's like a, a famous home course that we would recognize, but I don't see anything here about it. Uh, guys, why don't we move on? Let's head back out to Riviera because there was more that happened at Riviera yesterday than just the tournament. There's a guy by the name of Tiger Woods who is still the needle in the game of golf. He did an interview yesterday with the CBS crew. Unfortunately, I was in the car at this point, and he did not also do an interview with the SiriusXM <laughs> radio guys. Uh, by the way, you, you got to show the wife some love because the wife listened to golf for about six hours in the car yesterday, and it was brutal. So uh, shout out Dana for putting up with the golf she on the way back from New Mexico. In. Didn't even put headphones in. She she was on her phone quite a bit, but uh, well, rightfully so. Yes, rightfully so. But she did put up with listening to the golf for six hours. So uh, all right, y'all were watching on CBS. Your your thoughts? Take me through the Tiger interview. I'll tell you what, boys. There, there's a lot that we can break down into this. I, I'll, I'll stick to strictly the golf side of it for this this part of it. Um, Tiger did not sound very optimistic to me, Sam. I don't know about you. It sounded like to me he's – it seems like he's in more of a long game status than I thought he was. He made the he made the reference or joke, however you want to put it. He only has one back left, and this one's given out, so he doesn't know how much he has left. So he's taken even extra precautions than he normally would. We had speculated when he'd come back. Would it be Bay Hill, the players, something like that? I'd be shocked if that happens. Yeah, at this I don't point. think that's going to happen after yesterday. Obviously, uh, during the interview, he said he's waiting on the annuals, whatever annuals are. That must be something to do with the back. Waiting on the annuals to scar over um, and waiting on one more MRI. Um, it, they asked him what he had been doing golf wise, and he said he lengthened, <laughs> all he has done is lengthened his putter to the same length as his sand wedge, which I guess is interesting because I guess he doesn't want to be bending over all the time to practice. He's staying taller. But <laughs> stock length for sand. Sand wedge is 36 inches, and Tiger's used a 34-inch putter for a long time, right? 35. Yeah. The, the Scotty was 35? Well, he, okay. He mentioned, well, Tiger mentioned that he had been doing a bunch of drills, kind of belly in a sand wedge, and he's like, why wouldn't I just make my uh, putter the same length as my sand wedge? So I, th- I can't, found can't that. Can't putt a ton worse than he's putted over well, the last two years. Yeah. No doubt. Well, that, I found that pretty interesting. Um, you know, with Tiger, I think we're going to start seeing, once Tiger gets a little older, like – and we, I mean, we've seen it his whole career that he plays a limited schedule, but especially with, <laughs> I don't think he's going to do the belly putter. Colby's I'm, over I'm here. miming the belly putter. Colby's over here doing the Bernhard cheating longer stuff. But anyways, <laughs> uh, no, but Tiger, 
Tiger, uh, he's played the limited schedule his whole career, but now I feel like we might just see him maybe the week weeks maybe once leading up to a major and then lead and then the majors and that's going to be about it you know especially with his son getting a little older he's wanting to spend more time with him around the house doing golf and then obviously with his back yeah it like you said it doesn't sound great and i'd I'd be shocked if we see him even at the players but yeah no and and you know go even deep uh diving a little deeper into that i mean tiger did he did not look well on the camera you know, so it's not, he didn't look like a spring chicken ready to go out and go run a marathon by any stretch. He was very tired, maybe had, maybe had some medication in him to help with his pain. I mean, we all need it. I mean, I had appendix surgery last week. You ain't going to get through that without, without some, a little help. So there's no, no hating him if that, if that's the case. But from, from the way he talked and phrased everything, it, it, it was just, I, I was hoping for a lot more optimism. And for two things on the golf side, one is that, with the way he talked, I'd be surprised if he played an event before the Masters, in, in, in personal opinion. Because his only, like I said, we've, we've essentially eliminated the false, uh, Florida swing at this point. I mean, if he's waiting this long and hasn't even started chipping yet, essentially, they said all he's done is lengthen his putter. Well, then Sh- Shall we hear from Tiger part, directly? But yeah, well, one, one thing before we listen to it, you got to take into consideration that Tiger wasn't going to give Jim Nance anything once he brought up Tiger's golf. Uh, and he a bunch never of does, the, you're right. And a bunch of the stuff that he said could have been capped. Like, you know what I, I mean? Like, it, it, he he could have been just saying, oh, I really haven't touched a club. All I've done is lengthen my putter, you know, when he's actually out there practicing every day. Yeah, you, before, we don't know. Before you play it, Colby, it just it reminded me a lot of the, the Hero World Challenge interview he had a few years ago where he sounded so distraught and down that yep. he didn't even know if he'd play again. I and, and then he won the Masters. So you're telling me he's going to win the Masters. Tyler's picking Tiger to win the Masters. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I'm te- right. He's going to have 19 by the time we get to Southern next year. Uh, that'd be just fantastic. <laughs> Let's hear from Tiger. This is about a minute and a half. This is Tiger uh, with Jim Nance yesterday on CBS Broadcast. Everybody wants to know how you're feeling, what you're doing since you've come off your fifth uh, back operation. You feeling yeah, all right? I'm feeling fine. I'm feeling fine. I'm a little bit stiff. Um, I have one more MRI uh, scheduled so that uh, we'll see if the annulus is uh, scarred over finally and then I can start uh, doing more more activities. But um, still in the gym, still doing um, the mundane stuff that you have to do for rehab, you know, the, the little things. And um, before I can start gravitating towards uh, something a little more. So as far as golf, what have you done since the surgery? Anything? Uh, I have lengthened my putter. Okay, right. <laughs> Starts with that. Starts with that. You know, I'm not to bend over as far. Um, you know, I've I've gone to the same length as my my sand wedge. So because um, I put. I do I do a lot a lot of putting drills, you know, blading, um, hitting the equator with my sandwich, and I figured, well, if I do a lot with that, why do I just lengthen my putter to the same length? So I did, and uh, it helped. So Tiger, seven weeks from today, final round of the Masters, you're going to be there. God, I hope so. <laughs> I got to get there first. Are you feel um, like you a, a lot of a lot of space on you know my, my surgeons and. Uh, my doctors and my therapists and making sure that uh, I do it I do it correctly and um, this is the only back I got so I don't have much more much more uh, wiggle room left there but the plan would be maybe to get one tournament in before that I guess I, I don't know what the plan is um, the plan is right now is just to go ahead and get the MRI and see if the annulus is sealed and if it's scarred over and then we can start progressing well we miss you Tiger I can tell you that on behalf of uh, everyone that's passionate about this game just congratulations on this event your foundation and we hope to see you back soon you got it. yeah thanks Tiger
All right, so that was Tiger Woods on with Jim Nance yesterday at the Genesis Invitational at Riviera. And, you know, he says he hopes that he's there for the Masters. He says that he's going to leave that up to his surgeons. Guys, it is February 22nd, as I sit here and look at the date on my phone. We are, what's that put us, one and five, six weeks away, roughly, from the Masters? Yeah. Nance uh, said on there, seven seven weeks from yesterday would have been the final, the final round. Okay. So, so, yeah, so six, we're, start, we're in six so weeks. So six weeks, three days until they tee it up on Thursday at the Masters. Your gut feeling right now, after watching Tiger yesterday, everything we know about the surgery just happened on December 23rd. You know, you, you, the period of recovery can, can vary. Your gut feeling today, does Tiger play the Masters in 2021? I don't think so. I, 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 I mean, I don't, Lenovo. I, I know it's not what the people want to hear, but in a good, in, in the positive way, I don't want Tiger to play in the masters. If he can't play any competitive golf before the masters. And I don't see him being ready to play any competitive professional golf here in the next three weeks. Cause he's, we know he's not going to play the week before the masters. No, no. So, doubt. Uh, yeah. The only tournament you look on it, once you get through the floor swing, only tournaments he could play, I believe, would be um, the match play, which is a tournament that I don't think he would want to start back at because he could play eight rounds or whatever it is. My gut feeling is that he plays the Masters, but he doesn't play a tournament before that. And I don't love he, Boy, that'd be tough. Well, you know, we look back on it, boys. I mean, he's not at the same point that he was, but in 2010, he did the exact same thing and finished fourth. Well, how about not even 2010? How about uh, Zozo? He didn't play for nine weeks before Zozo, and he had knee surgery in that yeah. time. Now, a knee and a back are different. The surgeries have been different. Uh, time frame would be a little different. But we have seen recent Tiger go out and win after nine weeks off knee surgery and Zozo. Well, one thing I want to make very important about his putter switch, which I think is very interesting. If if he went, and I believe he said he lengthened it a quarter of an inch or something like that to 35 and a quarter um, sometime earlier this year to try to help with his back as well. But Boy, a quarter of an inch. That's, it that's makes, amazing. It makes so much difference. It does. And when you're adding a full inch to your club, it makes it so much heavier than it originally was. A putter that he's putted so good with for 20 years now, it's going to feel entirely different to him. And if Tiger goes to a course with Might the fastest... Might not be a bad thing, though. But, but he's going to a course with the fastest... If, if the first tournament he plays back is Augusta, has the fastest greens in the world, the last thing you want to do is be hitting putts too hard. And that's what he... Which is what we all do if you use a heavier putter, has more momentum. So if he if he's not able to get enough practice in on those speeds with the putter, who knows? Yeah, he but, might, what, but that's why he's lengthening it so he can practice more. So, well, well like, what I'm saying is, is that... I under, Yes, I get that, but... My point being is that you have to not just practice more. You have to practice because it's a different feel than yeah, what you I have. Agree. And so, I mean, if you have a really heavy putter, all of a sudden you're downhill on 13 or whatever, and right. you have to put over the slope, it's a little tough to judge the feel at that point. So I agree. If, if if that is the case and that's and that's where it is, I, I think he's going to play the Masters. Just a gut feeling. I don't think he'll play a tournament before that from what we heard yesterday. And to be honest with you, Nance asked him the question, will you be there on Sunday? I think he may be. He might be there Thursday and Friday, but he might not be there Sunday. In all in all honesty, depending on how his back feels. But yeah. I don't know. Has he ever missed the cut at Augusta as a pro? Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't think I would, he has. I would guess that the answer is no. I think if he, I, I don't think if he thinks he can contend, can contend that he'll tee it up. 
I do think we're going to see Tiger at Augusta because he lives for this tournament and he knows he's running out of Masters. I mean, there, yeah. there's only a handful of Masters left that he can play in that he can maybe have a chance to win. And, and will he really have a chance to win this year? Probably not. But I think he can convince himself in his mind that, okay, as long as I can swing this club, I can get it together for four days and try to do something at Augusta. I, I just, you know, earlier we spent 15 minutes talking about the way Tony Finau's built. That's the way Tiger Woods is built. And there's only one Tiger Woods. And I think that if he can swing a club, he will somehow do the mental gymnastics required to convince himself that it's worth teeing it up because he thinks he can compete. You're right. He's the only guy that can do that. However, I will say that I don't want Tiger to jeopardize the rest of his summer by trying to get back for the Masters and then having to go through a whole other thing and we lose Tiger for a whole summer. And then that takes three more majors out of it because you tried to play the Masters when you weren't ready. And we've seen Tiger try to play when he wasn't ready, and I don't. I think that that was a big – one of the only things that Tiger has done wrong in his career is trying to play when he's not ready. Yeah, but, a perfect example of that is really that even though he ended up winning the tournament was the 2008 U.S. Open because yeah. he did not play the rest of 20, 2008 after after that event. And he didn't and, win until 19, a major. So I didn't. We didn't win another. Yeah, yeah. Win 11 years without a, without a major. So that's a good another great point about it. But but yeah, I just I think that like you said, Colby. I think he's running out of out of majors. And you know, we we saw Bernard Langer, 62 years old. He didn't necessarily contend, but he was on the weekend. And Tiger knows how to get it around that golf course. So. Even if he's having to swing at forty percent, I mean, even when he, even when he won, guys, he was hitting big balloon fades out there to find the fairway. He wasn't just out bombing everyone, dominating the course like that. He strategically played it and just and just beat the course, which was a lower score than everyone else shot. And I think that that's the main reason they teed up. If if it was the U.S. Open that was the first major, and it was at the same time, I don't. I think he'd be less inclined to play. Let's put it that way. Do you guys, if you guys had to bet your life on it right now, do you think Tiger wins another major or not? If I had to bet my life on oh, it, definitely no. It, it would definitely no. If if it's life, I would have to say no. I mean, obviously, I, I, I would <laughs> but throw the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. What, are we getting into intangibles or yeah? What's yeah. the? No, uh, just yeah, what you, I, mean, I mean, if we can put a twenty on it instead of life, yeah. maybe. But I, I would still lean no, and, and it's. It, it has to do with Tiger, but it also has to do with the game of golf. I mean, DJ, Rory, Rom, Xander, Fina, all, all these – not really Fina because we're talking about winning. All, all these other guys, man, it'd be so tough for it to go right for him for four days to beat one of these guys that are just playing at this elite level. Well, yeah. and, and like we mentioned before, guys, I think with the way major championships are set up now – He's almost eliminated half of his chances to win because I don't think he can win at a U.S. Open or no, a PGA Championship he setup. Can't. He can't win at a U.S. Open. I still think maybe at the right PGA setup he could. I think he's going to win a British. If I, he don't wins think, one. I don't think. He, I don't think. I think it'll be a British or a Masters. Yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah, so he's going to need. He's going to need a Hoy Lake type setup or really bad weather conditions. He's going to need a course to where he can strategically plan it what and about, not uh, just outplay people. Let me ask you a question. Uh, what about Southern next Southern, year? That, what what if the a, wind really gets up at Southern? Yeah, that's his I best. I, I, I think Southern would be his best PGA course that he could win on. I mean, I mean he's won a Southern. And there's not native everywhere. There's not a bunch of trouble. It's a plot your way around course, target golf, fast greens, big slopes. 
I well, mean, well, I, I think you might have talked me into going to the PGA next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and me both, man. You're, you're a good salesman, Sam. But I, I think at Southern, if 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 it's playing firm and I mean, obviously the time of year compared to 2007 when he won, yeah, but it'll be different. He did not hit many drivers around that place, guys. He played it similar to like he did at Hoy Lake. He was hitting two irons and it was running. And with with the new lengthening of the course, with it not being as firm. I don't think he's going to be able to do that as much. I, I don't like his chances that much at Southern. I think we talked about Riviera being a total driving golf course. I think Southern. I think Southern's real predominant on iron play, which is where Tiger succeeds. But if he's not able to put it in the fairway per se, and if he's having hit out of fairway bunkers or having maneuver around the trees, I, I I just don't like his chances. I think that there's other players that have a better, a lot better shot to win at Southern than Tiger does with his current form. I just as much as it is a strategic golf course. I just don't think it's at next level like Augusta is, if you yeah. know what I'm saying. Well, yeah. and, and again, it will likely come down to form, and who knows? Tiger may go into Southern, having played five tournaments in the previous year. He may go into Southern, and he may be feeling great physically. And yeah. we may have seen him at the Masters next year, and we may see him one time in between the Masters and Southern next year. You just never know because it's so far off in the future. And like I said with Tiger, you, you, we were talking about how it didn't sound great yesterday, but at the same time, maybe we're finding a new, smarter Tiger, which he's just scheduling out – his way of how am I going to get to 18, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he might be being a little more conservative about how he's playing, how he's practicing, how much he's practicing and stuff like that. Because the only thing, I mean, in Tiger's heart of hearts, he might not say this, but the only thing that matters is that 18, 19 number. When it comes to golf, absolutely. Can I, mean, can I, I give you all a fun stat? Yeah, of when course. It comes the, to golf. The Brandel Chambly tweeted out yesterday. So we all know that since 2012, it hadn't been great for Tiger for, for large spans. He just he hasn't been himself physically. He since 2012, you said? Since 2012. Well, because that's 2013, where he was number one ranked player in the well, world. Well, no, but, but that's yeah. the, where this tweet's going. So Brandel Chambly tweets out uh, last night, since 2012, while dealing with countless physical issues and fencing with father time, Tiger's age 36 to 45 in this time span, Tiger Woods since 2012 has a win percentage of 11.7. 11.7 win percentage. Dustin Johnson in that same time span since 2012 is 10.6%. Brooks Koepka is 5.4%. The only player with a higher win percentage since 2012 than Tiger Woods. Gentlemen, the only player? Rory? Rory McIlroy. Tiger's 11.7. Rory's 11.8. Wow. It's the worst stretch of Tiger's career, and he's still one-tenth of a percentage point behind Rory for highest winning percentage over a decade. He's... he's will, yeah. That, that was before the fusion, though, like the 2013. Yes, 2013 when he got to number one in the world. Yeah. Yes. Well, and, you know, like we look we look back at when he won at 2019 Masters, which which is what we're going to have to look at for Tiger's career going forward. That's how he's going to be able to win. Yeah. What did he do? He put it in the fairway, put his, he put his iron shots exactly where he needed to. Which, iron play was green unreal. Unreal yeah. iron play that He way. outsmarted yeah. everybody, and it, his iron game's always going to be great. He's the greatest iron player. Well, of I mean, all the time. shot that he hit on twelve, the iron shots on 12, 15, and sixteen, all three. Thirteen just, too. Yeah, thirteen too. Yeah, thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. So to be able to hit, and then it, he gave us a heart attack on eighteen. But <laughs> yes, <anyway>. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. And so I, you know, just one to close out on, on the Tiger thing. He's, I, I agree with you, Sam. I think his besides his children, I think especially golf importance, he wants to get to 18. So we added up, that's three more, and he's 45, correct? He's, he's not Jack 46, uh, right? He's 75, 40. December 30th, yeah, 45. Yeah, 45, yeah. So he's, and and if he can get his back to health, I think he's got another five, at least five years, maybe even maybe even 10 if he plays his cards well, right. It's, to, it's a big if, big if, I, but I've I agree. Been doing it, I've been working on a story for Golf Oklahoma for this new, uh, for the 
PGA, senior PGA coming up yep. at Southern Hills. I've been talking to a bunch of the senior guys out at Oak Tree, and, and one thing that they said is from 50 to 55, you still really have similar game to you than what they have when they turn 50. But once you turn like 55 to 60, it declines very fast. So yeah. we might even be able to have another 10 years where Tiger can legitimately compete against the younger guys. So, well, And that's a really good range because you look at the players who are the like the exceptions, right? The Bernhard Langers and the Tom Watsons. Well, we, we remember them because they are the exceptions. They're the only few people to go into their 60s and play good golf. And, and at least from, you know, I mean, obviously Sam Snead was known for, for being really good at his old age. One on PJ Tour, I think he's the oldest winner at 52, I believe. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, you could still go out there and do it, but – if Tiger can't get off the couch and swing the club, then he doesn't have a chance. And so I agree with you on that point, Sam, of if playing the Masters is going to take him out from playing the other three majors, even though we don't think two of them he can win at, but at least give him a chance at the Open Championship, which is another major that I think he can win. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's Taylor Williams. Yeah. Sam, you want one final thought no, on Tiger. Uh, Tiger, I, I was just going to mention one last thing on Tiger. When we were talking about his age and everything, we haven't necessarily t- seen Tiger – transform his game he's he's actually gotten longer off the tee somehow getting into his older age but um hashtag dial it back takes a lot technology (laughs) yeah but we'll 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 see here in the next maybe in like five years if tiger can transform his game into a freddie couples or a uh, bernard longer someone like that that's had more success on the senior tour and i don't i gotta be honest i don't see that necessarily be in he lost, his, he lost his putter. That's the problem. Yeah. If, he, yeah. if he keeps his, if he gets his putter back, he'll have a chance because his irons are still good and, and he, he can, he definitely, and he's, he's on, it's kind of sad to say this. He's almost an overrated short game player. When you look at the analytics, they say he's the best of all time. He's the best, cl- one of the best clutch, clutch short, yes. you know, but overall around the greens, you look at his career analytics. He's never really been one of the best. I'm um, obviously best iron player ever. Well, no, so. he, he, he doesn't have to chip that often. So that's <laughs> oh, very, very, very fair point. I mean, for, for a decade, he hit 16 greens around. Around, so didn't have to chip very often. Yeah. Uh, why don't we do? Why don't we move on? Because uh, we'll have a lot more Tiger conversation between now and the Masters. Uh, just a couple quick things. One, give a shout out to Michael Gellerman. Finished uh, T14 at the Corn Ferry event this week down in Florida. So that was a nice finish. And then I just want to get y'all's thoughts on this before we call it a day. The USGA and RNA have been in the news lately mostly for the distance debate, but they actually released something new this morning, which was uh, the revamping of the rules of amateur status. Let me just hit a couple quick bullet points. Uh, Number one, sponsorship-related restrictions have been eliminated for amateurs. They can benefit from name, image, and likeness, as we're about to start seeing uh, across college athletics. Uh, And then simply identifying oneself as a professional golfer would not in itself result in a loss of amateur status. You can now accept cash as opposed to just clubhouse credit but the limit is still $750. So, you know, if you play in a scramble or something like that, you win $750, you can take the $750 cash, but no more uh, no more than that. And, and before you keep going, Kobe, I do yeah. believe the $750, that's for a full calendar year. That's not just one event. That's, oh, is it for a full calendar that's, year? That's how, that's how it's always wow. been when I'm growing up, and it doesn't that's look wild. like they're listing it as a change there. So, yeah, that's, seven, that's not just $750 per term. That's $750 for the entire year. Yeah. Which is a That's really arbitrary wild. number. Yeah, so you would still lose your amateur amateur status if you accepted more than seven fifty. Uh, you are also not allowed to accept payment for giving face to face or like traditional instruction. 
So you can't be a golf instructor and uh, get paid for that. And then if you're employed as a club pro, club professional, or you're a membership of a professional tour or association, you would lose your amateur status. So it seems like there's some good here, some that we're probably still going to think is ridiculous. You both played college golf, so hit me. The most interesting one you said, they can use their name, image, and likeness now, which means you might uh, see some, like, uh, tailor-made commercials with a uh, Austin Eckroad on there. Like, a guy in college, you might get to see more uh, uh, commercials or advertising yeah, like, like Wolf, with college golf. The day Wolf turned pro, TaylorMade announced their big right. their big well, partnership. And, and the, way it works now, now. Well, the way it works now for guys that are in college, for people that don't know, like, guys are with – certain companies like when i was at the tulsa, really good we were, ones are not every single well yeah golfer. yeah no no the, oh, exactly but when i was at tulsa tulsa was a ping school so we got free clubs from ping but then that's a team thing and then when you get guys like Eckroad or wolf or hovland or something like that those guys can go with whatever clubs they want because these the for instance like team ping or TaylorMade will give them free clubs and can give them pretty much free anything except for having a contract money you know and so now, and now they can have a contract well is that right yeah it's, it says so, right here no longer there would no longer be any restrictions on an amateur golfer entering into a contract and receiving benefit from that contract as an amateur okay I, one That's thing i don't understand is the second part of you could play a tournament and identify as a professional and not lose your amateur status what the hell does that mean but you can't accept the money more than 750 dollars so like you you well if you played in like a whatever, like the Oklahoma Open as a pro and then didn't get in the money, like, then are you just not a pro yet? I guess, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Like, you, I guess you have to get in the money to be a pro. I don't know. It, it, that that I get, Maybe it's the same thing like what the NBA drafted where you can sign an agent and if you don't get drafted, you can go back to college. Yeah. Uh, maybe something like yeah, that. Maybe. I don't know, but still, even then, it's... Maybe, okay, so that does kind of make sense because a guy... Uh, is debating whether he wants to come back to college. This year would have been a perfect example because of the COVID rule. So he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go be a pro. So he identifies as a pro. He goes and plays in three PGA Tour events. He misses all three cuts by five shots. He decides, you know what? Maybe I'm not ready for this. I'm going to go back to college. Goes back to college, plays another year, and then tries to get on tour. I, I think that now that we're we're kind of stretching this we out. We need to make sure that's right. I think that, that sounds, that's the intention that's what for that it sa- rule. That's, I mean, that's what it sounds like. I, what I else mean, could l- it mean? Let me read you the, the sentence again. It says, simply identifying oneself as a professional golfer would of itself no longer result in loss of amateur status, including entering and playing in a competition as a professional. Wow. And this is supposed to be a That's simplification of the rule, and we're having to sit here break it down for 30 minutes to figure out what it means. Yeah, Man. is, is anything in golf ever simple? Well, no, it's I, not just golf. God, it's man. an NCAA problem. You're right. Too. It's an NCAA yeah, problem. But th- this right here is entirely USGA. I know, but, but they the amateur status, I mean, they, they go hand-in-hand, hand, USGA and, and USGA. You can't have one without the other. USGA is older than the NCAA is. Right. USGA has had these amateur status ever since golf was made. Bobby, I got jo- Bobby Jones. I got yeah. it. I'm just saying that all these crazy rules, whether it be football, basketball, golf, whatever sport it is, it, I mean – it, it, at least we're finally letting guys use their name, image, image and likeness. I mean, at least. I, mean, right. I, I still think criminal. these guys should be paid. And it, 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 the, I hate when people say, when it's football, say that, oh, well, they would get 
uh, they the football players would get paid more. Well, obviously, just let them use their name, image, and likeness than yeah. a golfer. But if a golfer is big time, like a guy like Matt Wolf, who won a national championship, at or OSU, I mean, if some kind of phenom like Spieth when he was at Texas, exactly. That's my point. Is that if they are good enough to have contracts and make money, let them do it. Like, who cares if they're right. an amateur or not? You know, yeah. you know. But, my, my my two main points on that uh, that front are boys. Like I said, in there, you can't get paid for giving lessons to someone. But yet you can go out and paint an art picture and sell that for money? Like, like what does it matter if it's an instruction? That's your skill. If you know about golf, you should be able to do it. And yep. then my next thing, you probably can reiterate this, Sam, since you're friends with both of them. I believe in one of the tournaments in November, Quaid and um, Austin both made the cut in a PJ Tour event, right? Yeah. Why can they not get paid the full amount they're supposed to? Because, because they're still in college. Why? They, they earned it. They went out and earned it. It would ruin their amateur it, status, and the crazy part about that is they can't even do they can't even take that money, and that. But then, if they go back to college, then they'll be able to get either on the Corn Ferry or the or the uh, McKenzie Tour. Can, so, like, it's can we at least set up a trust fund well, type on, thing so when they get it, when they turn pro? So let me ask you a question. Usually, if, if a guy enters a tournament and like Eckroat and Quaid, they had to go into that tournament as amateurs. Well, now theoretically, under the new rule, they could identify as professional golfers going into this tournament that they've had sponsor invites to. Now, what if well, this guy finishes T three and decides, you know what? I played as a pro this week. Now, I'm taking my cash and I'm going. Here's my question is if you entered the tournament as a professional, do you have to accept the money or do you get to decide afterwards? I like say you, you barely you made decide. the cut and made like a little money and then you're like, well, uh, do you I, see I what I'm you, saying? Yes, like, I do. I think you can. Yeah. My interpretation of these rules, I'm sure that this is going to get flushed out much more, um, but as my interpretation of this rule would be that you can enter a tournament as a professional and then if you decide you want to turn down the winnings and stay amateur, you can. But if you enter a tournament as a professional like Austin and Quaid could have done in November in Mayakoba or wherever yeah. they were at that they played, I mean, if one of those guys wins that tournament and it's like 1.2 and two-year exemptions, I mean, now you can accept that where if you were an amateur and you did that, you wouldn't be able to. I I may be wrong on this. As in, Even if you won the tournament as an amateur, you couldn't take the money, but you could take the status, couldn't you? That's a good question. Under the old rules? I, even now, Cur Cur yeah, I mean, yeah, even a good now, question. because I think that really good question. Just because you're an amateur, it does because we haven't seen an amateur win in so long. I don't even was, well, was Phil the last amateur to win a PGA Tour event. Or I know. remember, I know Scott Verplank did it back in the day. Phil, Phil was the last. Phil was one. the last one. Yeah, I think yeah, what in '91 yeah. or '92 yeah, in Scottsdale. Yeah. yeah, and you know, my point being, you know, especially on that is, is that like you said, Colby, if you get two year exemption and you win, it'd be. It'd be ignorant for anyone to go back for a chance to be corn fairy status. Like what? Are you you know like that's that's a no brain decision. And I, I don't know. I don't care if you finish if you make the cut. It doesn't matter if you're an amateur, whatever the hell your status is. You should. There is no other field or any other realm of work, labor, anything in here that if you do the work, you get paid for it. And if not, you have liability to sue or lawsuits and another, anyone else against you. Another Why is sports different? An, I don't I understand. I totally agree. Uh, and, and another thing with this, what does it have to do with the TV contracts? Because they're using every player's name, image, and likeness. Good so question. Do the, do the players get a cut of that TV Good contract? Question. Yeah, we'll have, to see, we'll have to see how this ends up getting flushed out with Golf Channel and everything. 1991 is whenever Phil won. 
Well, it's been 30 years. 30 years now since Phil won as an amateur. Uh, be curious to see whether we see an amateur win again on the PGA Tour. Not an easy thing to do, but there's a lot of elite young players, so uh, a lot of good golf being played. But interesting new changes with the amateur rules. A uh, lot going on in the game of golf right now. Uh, whenever we have some more time, we'll get into Mike Wan as the new C- CEO of the USGA happening uh, this summer. We won't dive too deep into that today because it's a longer conversation. So maybe tomorrow we'll dive into that before we preview the World Golf Championship this week. But, fellas, it's World Golf Championship week. The California swing, the West Coast swing is over, and time to move on. Let's play some golf in Florida. Yeah, we were supposed to be down in Mexico originally. Obviously, COVID and then some other contractual obligations made him change the site. I don't know. We, we just speculated in one of our shows, Colby, how long of a change would this be? And, you know, we're not necessarily sure. We've we've heard – I've never played down there, obviously, and I'm not sh- I'm not sure if you have Sam or not, but concession is – is that the name? Or confession? Co- concession. The concession. concession. The concession. Like a, like a concession the, stand. Well, is no, it, like, well, like, is, I think it might be – is it a Nicholas course and it's called the concession because of Jack Nicholas's concession? Or I don't know. Is that and right? In the Ryder Cup? Yeah. Yeah, I, that makes sense. I think yeah. that that, well, that's just my head. I have no clue. You know what that's we're going to do? We're going to look it up before the preview <laughs> yeah, show. We're going to do that. We're, we're going to give you the full concession breakdown, what it looks like on the course. We'll give you our DraftKings picks, one and done picks, best bets, the absolute works. All that's tomorrow. Uh, again, do us a favor. Head over to golfoklahoma.org. Subscribe to the email list. Check out everything that they've got to offer right there on the homepage, including our podcast. You can listen right there at golfoklahoma.org if you so choose. Also, wherever you listen, Spotify, Apple, Google. Google, uh, go in, subscribe to the podcast, and give us a five-star rating. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Glad everyone was with us on a Monday. We're back tomorrow to preview the WGC. Thanks for listening to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.